to have you guys here. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. Uh, like I said before, we're in the middle of a series through our summer. It's called Save Your Summer. And, uh, and we've been talking specifically about uh, what it takes to save and the concept of saving. Uh, recently, I have a daughter. She'll turn six next month. Her name is Rebecca. And we have a hammock in our backyard, and I have it set on daddy height and daddy level of risk because uh, it's my hammock, and I could do that for my hammock. Well, just like any other child, they want to experience things that are mine. And so they went out there one time, and I see my little six-year-old, or almost six-year-old, out there, one foot caught in the hammock, one foot on the ground, waving back and forth. And as she looks back at the window, she says one word, save me, save me. So well, here we are, we're going to save our summer. Maybe you feel like you got one foot caught in the hammock. Maybe one foot in summer, maybe one foot back in spring, maybe one foot in the future, wherever you might be. We are going to talk about the God who saves. That's the concept that we want to get across. It's not so much that we are here to save you, but we're going to talk about the person, the individual in Jesus Christ, who has all the power to save. In fact, Jesus' name is similar to the, to the Old Testament name Joshua. In, in the... Uh, in the Hebrew language, it would be Yeshua. You can hear how it says Joshua? It literally means he who saves. At the very essence of who Jesus is, is to save us. So I thought that I would kind of have some fun with this idea of this word Yeshua. Actually, in the Old Testament, it's, it's similar to that. It's called Yasha. Yasha, and I looked throughout the whole Old Testament, and you know that that word Yasha in the Old Testament, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, that word in Hebrew was used 209 times throughout the whole Old Testament. And these are some of the people that God saved his people from. Let's listen to this. They saved from the Egyptians, from the Gibeonites, the Moabites, the Philistines, the Edomites, the Midianites, the Sidonites, the Amalekites, the Mononites, the Ammonites, the Jebesians, the Armenians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and the Michiganders. <laughs> well, well, maybe not the Michiganders. Okay, I added that one in. But you see, this concept, it seemed like God's people were always in need of saving. Now, 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 I, I, I went through all these 209 verses, and I wanted to find something that kind of capsulated this essence of this saving figure that we know very well in Jesus Christ, but also we experience a glimpse of throughout the Old Testament. So there's one particular book, and it's called the, the, the Minor Prophet of Zephaniah. Who here loves the book of Zephaniah? It's your favorite book. You read it every year. You can quote it. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> there's a reason why they call it the Minor Prophet, because we just got to move it along, right? Let's, let's do the major ones. Actually, minor has to do with the size of the book, not the importance of it. And there is this one important verse that I want to share with you today. And this is what it is. Can we put it up there? Zechariah chapter 10. Verse 6, it says, I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. I'll bring them back because I have mercy on them. They shall be as though I had not cast them aside, for I am the Lord their God, and I will hear them. Now, this is spoken through the, through the, the prophet Zechariah. The prophet in the Old Testament sense was done the mouthpiece of God, kind of like God's cell phone for the people, the way God would talk to his people. And as he would communicate, these are God's word coming through uh, 
in the person of Zechariah, but it's God's word for the people. Let me just read this, that first phrase again. I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. The, the, the name of this, uh, this message today is called a saving house, and I want to get you a sense. There's, there's two terms in the middle of this verse, in that first couple phrases there that I want you to, to grab a hold of. And there's a tension in the midst of this verse. God's word through the prophet Zechariah to his people are setting his people up and challenging them in a way. Now, we don't know the context, and I'll get to the context in just a little bit, but I want to set you guys up in a way with to pick out the two key terms that you can figure in this, okay? And so what I'm going to do, since we got some, uh, a bunch of different age groups today, I put some pictures. Who here loves pictures? Who would rather have a picture Bible? Amen, brother. I hear you. All right. So here we go. We got a couple pictures. Can we put the next slide up with a couple pictures? So we got two key words. We've got the lifesaver and the house. Okay? Did you catch that? Go back to the verse. Go back to the verse. I, I, th I think we're losing them, uh, Aaron. So we might have to be quick here, okay? Qu quick on the trigger because these people are they're still sleeping, believe it or not. All right, here we go. I will strengthen the house of Judah and I will save the house of Joseph. All right, back to the pictures. Did you catch them? Save house. Strengthen house. Actually, the word strengthen and save are really, really similar. And what God is saying in this is, is he's using what's called covenant language. Covenant language. I'll talk a little bit, uh, just a minute, about what the covenant is. The other word that I want to talk about is the word house. Who here lives in a house? What about a really cool apartment? Condo? Anyone live in, uh, you ever play MASH growing up? Mansion, attic, shack, house. Anyone got one of those four? Raise your hand. All right, so you're doing good. You, you, your fifth grade prophecy lives on, right? We're all living where we need to live. And so the house doesn't represent a place or a location. This is a term that God is using, and it also can be translated. And this is why, actually, I love the New King James, because it keeps the word house, where the NIV and some of the other translations do not, because the word house also can be translated the word temple. And lo and behold, guess what Zechariah and the rest of the Israelites are doing right now? They're building a temple. So let's go back to that verse. Go back to that verse one more time. Let's just read that phrase. I will strengthen, I will save this idea of covenant language. I'll remember the promises that I've made to my people, the house, the temple of Judah, and I will save, I will remember the covenant that I made with them, the house, the temple of Joseph. Now, I, I, I know with you, and actually I had to do a lot of research this week on just kind of getting a sense of just who this Zechariah character is. Because I don't really spend a lot of time in Zechariah. Uh, I know a couple verses, but I went to, went to Bible school and I paid a lot of money to learn those verses. I don't expect you guys to know those. So let me kind of give you a little background, okay? If you don't want to listen to me, if you want to check out for a little while, that's cool. Just remember the pictures. Actually, I got a cooler picture because we're going to play a video behind me it's going to be super, super distracting. So if you struggle with ADD, you're going, to, you're going to really love this because we're going to have about two or three things going on. You ready for it? All right, so I'm going to give you a little bit of background. A video is going to play in the background with no sound. You can choose what you want to watch. Deal? All right, let's go. Set that up there. I think it's like an eight-minute video, so i got to move fast here as far as background. Okay, so here's the Zechariah. Here's where we are. Zechariah is after the exile. If you know anything about the timeline of God and the Israelites in the Old Testament, is the exile existed at the end of their timeline in the Bible. Let me, let me rewind to the first part of it. God came down to a person called Moses. Who remembers Moses? 
All right, you're still with me. Moses, and they met them on Sinai. And in that moment, God did something amazing with the people of Israel that re-upped his commitment to the person of Abraham. And he created what was called a treaty or a promise or a covenant with them. And pretty much what he said is, you be people, I be God. And as long as we get that right, everything will go fine. I will save you. I will help you. I will deliver you. I will set you up for the rest of your life and your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. Everyone gets what they want as long as you keep this problem. You people, me, God. Deal? They did thumbs up. They, they liked it and shared it on Facebook. And God said, well, let's go. So then fast forward, they went into the promised land. And let me tell you guys, every time the Israelites, things started to go well for them, they said, you know what? I don't know if I like this whole we serve God thing. There's some other cool gods we want to check out. There's some other things we want to do. Hey, look at these people over here. They got this really cool temple for their God. And God said, you know what? Here's the temple I want. And the very first part, the temple that God wanted was, was what? Was what was called a tabernacle. Was a temporary temple. Flimsy, portable, and not fit for any kind of ornate, beautiful things. Now, why would God do that? Because God is saying something very, very key, and you need to hear this today, okay? You need to hear, God is never interested in location. He's interested in people. God isn't interested in location. There is no section of earth on this world that's more important than you. God is always entered in the individual. In fact, in the New Testament, they pick up on this and they say, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's God's essence. So you catch this, this tension that exists between covenant and temple. Covenant and temple. Saving, strengthen, covenant, temple, house, place. So then you fast forward, a lot of crazy things happen, and the person by the name of David has this idea saying, hey God, I know you're, you're really, really awesome, you're creator of the universe, how about we build you a temple? in a really, really awesome temple. And he put the plans together. His son Solomon put it to work. They called it Solomon's Temple, one of the, one of the wonders of the ancient world. It was a beautiful, massive place. They, it was huge. You could read about it. It was just so beautiful and over the top. And as they were commissioning the temple, they were saying, okay, God, here's your house. It's beautiful. Come on in. It's going to be awesome. God says something so amazing to them. He says, I tell you what, thanks, I guess. But I tell you what, if you don't keep my covenant, I will lay this thing to the ground. I'll do this because this is what you want. But I'm far more concerned about my love for you and my promise for you and my covenant with you to save and to strengthen you than any place. And if that gets messed up, don't come crying to me when this place falls. So neat to know that you can't lock God into one place. 
You can't just say, wow, I experienced God here. This is holy ground. Let me tell you, wherever God is, is holy ground, and God is portable. God moves. It's his essence of who he is. You can't lock him down. In fact, I would argue that if you really want to experience God in your life, don't come to church, but go find someone who needs him. Because God is already there, reaching to the lost, inviting them in to his kingdom. That's where God lives. So guess what happened? Sure enough, they messed it up. And God used the Babylonians to come in and lay siege to the temple and totally destroy it and send all of God's people to the other side of the world as exiles and refugees. Then, Zechariah. Zechariah, the Persians take over for the Babylonians and the, and the Persians say, you can go back and rebuild your temple, but here's your blueprint. And the blueprint was a fraction of the size of that massive, beautiful Solomon's temple. So here we are, Zechariah, the encourager of the temple builders. He comes back with his, with his friend Haggai, and they start encouraging the people to build the temple. And all the people could do while they're building the temple is like, oh, do you remember how great Solomon's temple was? Now we get the micro version. Now we get the mini temple. Like, our big God can't even fit in here. And God said, wait a minute, wait a minute, remember? It's not about location. It's about the covenant and the promise. God is never concerned about where. Where is not important. It's who. Who he is and who you are. So much more important than what God than, than any place. How'd I do? Look at that. We're only in chapter 12. Guys, I beat it. That's great. I was talking fast. Isn't that great? So let's read these verses again. Can we do that? I'm going to read actually a little more of the verses, give you a little more sense of what Zechariah is saying. And I want you to hear some of those phrases that we heard before and hear some of this idea of this context between, between what I said. Covenant, promise, Saving, strengthening, caring, helping, loving, giving, sacrificing. And temple. Organized religion. Place. Come and worship. Dress yourselves up. Look nice for God. That's on this side. And this is what he says. Can we go back to the verses, Aaron? We're going to do all the verses, um, the set from them. Actually, it's the one with um, all the verses. And there we go. I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph. I'll bring them back because I have mercy on them. They shall be as though I had not cast them aside, for I am the Lord their God, and I will hear them. Those of Ephraim shall be like mighty men, and their heart shall rejoice as if, it, as if with wine. Yes, their children shall see it and be glad. Their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. I will whistle for them and gather them. Come here. I will redeem them and they shall increase as they once increased. I will sow them among the peoples and they shall remember me in far countries. They shall live together with their children and they shall return 
I will also bring them back from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I'll bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon until no more room is found for them. I'm filling up this place with my people who I'm welcoming in you and your neighbor and your neighbor's neighbor and your kiddies and your grandma and your grandpa and everyone. I love them all. Bring them all in until there's no more room. That's what he's saying. He shall pass through the sea with affliction and strike the waves of the sea. Interesting what he's saying here. Okay, I'll get to it in a minute. And the depths of the river shall dry up. Then the pride of Assyria shall be brought down and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. Then he says this. So I will strengthen them in the Lord. Save them in the Lord. And they shall walk up and down in his, capital H name, says the Lord. Wow. Do do you get the sense? Do you get a better sense of of just the power of what God is saying to his people? Here they are thinking, oh, we've got this terrible temple complex. We really want it to be better, want it to be bigger, want it to be awesome. But the Persians say if we make it bigger, they're going to kill us all. So what are we going to do? Oh, woe is us. Oh, Israel, woe is us. When are you going to show up, God, and save us? And God's like, oh, I'm saving but I don't care about the place. I'm saving, and you don't even know what I have in store. The power that lives in the one who saves, the Yasha, the Jesus, the Yeshua, who we shall walk up and down in his name. This is what God is saying to them. This is what God is doing. You think you see what you're seeing. You think all you can care about is what you can see and put your hands on and touch those bricks. But let me tell you, my plans of salvation go beyond the very bricks that you use to build the temple. Wow. That sounds like a great sermon. That's just the introduction, guys. 20-minute introduction. Sounds awesome. What does this have to do with us? Well, the first part of this series last month, I asked you guys to, to come forward to the end of the service and you each had a colored note card. And I asked you to write something on there that you wanted to be saved, that you wanted God to put his saving power. We just talked a little bit about how that's God's essence. God can't help but save. God can't help but connect. God can't help but strengthen and love and encourage. It's who he is in his covenant. So about 94 people participated. Um, Probably other people participated in their mind. I didn't count those. I just put the ones that actually wrote. And out of of the 94 people, uh, 55 of the 94 mentioned something specific tied to another person. Here's some of them. Save my daughter-in-law. Save a grieving family. Save my brother's addiction. Save my family. Save my neighbor. Save my son. Save my father-in-law, save my ex-husband, save my family, save my son, save my friend, save my friend in jail, save my marriage, save my kids, save a broken family, save my daughter, save my marriage, save my family, save a relationship to my daughter, save my girlfriend, save my husband, save my son, save my brother, save my marriage, save my grandkids, save our children, save our daughter. This is what you guys want saved. And judging by what I'm seeing with this, either you just woke up 
or you agree with me. In fact, I was to ask you today to say, where is the majority of your mind and your anxiety pointed towards? If you had to pick one thing in your life to save, my guess is half of you, over half of you, would say, I know someone that needs saved. And yeah, that would be great if they come up here and they lay good near the altar and say the sinner's prayer and get that get out of hell free card and do all the rest of that. That'd be cool. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this covenant relationship, this restoration to bring you back to the person you were created to be, escape from the pain of this world, the mistakes that you made. And yeah, you're all saying, bring me some of that, but half of you are saying, I know someone that desperately needs that. My daughter, my daughter-in-law, my marriage, my son, I've got a friend in jail, I've got a girlfriend, I've got a boyfriend, I've got a daddy, a mommy, I've got someone who needs that. Guys, it's the very essence of the God that we serve to save, to welcome back, to encourage you back in relationship with him. So yeah, Do whatever you can to reach them, to encourage them, to love them, to to offer their names on note cards on the altar or whatever it works for you. Give them to God and say, what part can I play? Because that's what's going to make the difference in their life. And you know what? Sometimes God makes the difference, but it takes you being that communication of that love, that acceptance of that love. One of my favorite phrases for my kids is, I love Jesus, but sometimes you need someone with skin on. And it's true. We need people to offer that, to extend that, to communicate to that. Do you know, that's what Zechariah was. He was reminding the people as they're laying the bricks and grumbling and grumbling and grumbling. He's guys, God, guys, listen. This is what God says. He doesn't care about the bricks. He doesn't care about this world. He doesn't care about the the things that line up in this place. It's all going to pass away. But his promises, his love, his covenant with you is all that he can think about. So here at the end, verse 12 says this. So I will strengthen them in the Lord. Like I said, that word strengthen has everything to do with the covenant that he made. You be people, I be God. That sounds like a sermon right there. You be people, I be God. How are you doing with that? Who here would say, you know, I got it, God. I'm the God of my life. My wife is... Maybe not the God, but she's definitely the king and the queen. (laughs) I got this, God. I don't need you. How are you doing with that? 
broken family, broken relationship, broken finances, broken dreams, broken hopes. How are you doing with that? God says, hey, listen, I'm here, arms open. I sent my son, he who saves, to die for your mistakes and your sin and this regret and this pain that you feel, this broken life. Yeah, I got it covered. I did everything I could. All you got to do is just get this right again. Restore that. Bring that back. So the other key word that I want to talk to you about is this, and they shall walk up and down in his name. What a, what a weird way to say something, right? Walk up and down on someone's name. That sounds like you're like stomping on them, all right? It has nothing to do with that. This word walk means to live, to follow, to experience. This word was used in the Old Testament in Genesis where God would walk through the Garden of Eden and live in unity with his creation and the people that he created as the crown of creation, you. In this right relationship, doing life, following him, experiencing the love and the joy and the peace and the hope that he offers. That's walking up and down in Jesus' name. The band's going to come up. We're going to close with this song. And I want to encourage you to think of one thing. Because if you remember the covenant that God made that still lives, he made it with the Old Testament, and then honestly, he did a whole new, brand new, spanking new, awesome, souped up covenant in Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, my blood poured out for the new covenant, the new promise, that I'm going to offer my life for your sins and your mistakes, and then I'm going to rise again with give you the hope of life eternal that begins at this moment for you. That's this covenant that he has. But it goes back to this. There's two things you need to know to, to realize this covenant. You need to realize who he is. That he's not here mad at you. He's not here upset with you. He's okay with your past. He's okay with your future. He's okay with your right now. He's okay with the skeletons you got in the closet. He's okay with the skeletons you got outside the closet. He's okay with whatever you bring to him because his love is this covenant with you. That's who he is and he can't be someone else. Regardless of what you've been taught, regardless of what you've been heard, that's who he is. So you need to know that's who he is. But you also need to know who you are. And this song will help with that.
you stand with me? He can't do anything but save. He can't do anything but help. He can't do anything but love. That's who he is. You heard what he thinks of you. So your response is, so God, where do I go now? Some of you need to, to firm up this connection with God before you leave this place today. If, you, if we could help with that, if this altar would help with that, if the pew would help with that, if a friend would help with that, you got them. But just don't leave this place without fixing that, okay? It's on you. And as far as what that thing is you need to be saved, that other person that you shared about, that, that finances, your future, marriage, your hope, whatever it might be. I have a hunch that you get this right. God's saving power that he can't help but unleash will take care of the rest. Receive the blessing as you go. Father, bless these your people with your saving power. You welcome, you accept, you love, you never turn away. You say, come as you are. I'll take you whatever you got. Just keep coming to me. And so, Father, encourage these, your people, to take that step to you, to re-up, to refirm, to connect with you again, Lord. So I bless them with the sense of that courage to do that. In Jesus' name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I bless them. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Like I said, if you let talk or pray, we're here for you. Let's sing out. He's our rescuer.